Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a disappointing end to the lacrosse season and a couple of Syracuse players going to the NFL. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick-Schulte, and our guest today is ESPN and SNY's Eamon McEnany. Eamon, thank you so much again for coming on today. Ah, uh, no problem. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Eamon, first of all, again, really enjoyed your call of Syracuse's game on Sunday. I think all Orange fans enjoyed your call. They may not have enjoyed the game. Um, what went wrong for Syracuse in that game? You know, I, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, if they were, how do I phrase this? You know, first of all, I think they underestimated Bryant. I yeah. guess, and I think Bryant yeah. played very well, and Bryant did not flinch. Um, Bryant believed they were a much better team and much better equipped for this game this year than it was last year. I don't necessarily know if the Syracuse players bought into that. I think the Syracuse players might have assumed, you know what, we're a lot better at the face-off game than we were a year ago. They're not going to win 22 of 23 face-offs. We're going to be fine. That being said, Bryant went out and won that. I understand that when the team gets upset, you always want to say, what went wrong? Uh, and I think the zone slowed them down a little bit. And I think the Bryant goalie, Gunnar Walt, slowed him down a little bit. He made a couple of saves, especially in the second half, yeah. that if Syracuse gets a goal on, then maybe Bryant starts thinking, oh, no, here we go again. Or Bryant starts playing a little tight. You know, you've seen it in every sport when that, it's that quote-unquote David versus Goliath game. As soon as David, you know, falls behind or gets hit in the mouth, how do they respond? And Bryant, to their credit, never flinched and never fell behind. You know, one of the things I noticed, and you, you touched on it briefly, was that zone defense, because I think that completely stifled any attempt that Syracuse had on offense, and they, they seemed not to be able to react to it. What was, it a, was it about Brian's zone, or was it about Syracuse's reaction to Brian's zone? Uh, I think early on it was a little bit about Syracuse's reaction to the zone. I think they started to get good looks in the second half when they uh, got better angles for Rice uh, from the right side, um, from his sweet spot. Uh, so I, I was surprised, though, that they were thrown off because talking to Coach Desco during the week, he knew they were going to, you know, play it. It wasn't like a surprise that Bryant wanted to jump in and out of zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Syracuse certainly has the shooters. You know, and again, uh, I just think that when you have a zone with uh, maybe the best goalie in the country, uh, you're going to need to get more than just outside looks. You need to work it inside and get some dunks as well. 
So you just mentioned John Desco. So if you could put yourself in his shoes right now, heading into the offseason, what are the priorities that you need to address right now, looking not just at this, this upset loss, but also the entire season? Uh, well, you can't overreact to being upset in the uh, first round, although I can understand, you know, the Syracuse fans aren't used to this. And, you know, it's happened twice now in a decade. Uh, I think the Syracuse fan can accept Army, I think this, the Syracuse fan who's used to, you know, stamping the uh, road trip for Memorial Day weekend is a little confused <laughs> about losing to Bryant. But John Desco's not going to overreact. They were still the number two seed for a reason. They still beat Duke. They still beat Notre Dame. Uh, they still beat North Carolina. You don't need me to go over the laundry list. But they're still an elite program. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, you, you want to look at some more – what's the word I'm looking for, charisma on the offense. And now maybe Randy Stotts wasn't healthy. You know, he was in and out of 100%. Uh, but, you know, you, you need that midfield group, that first midfield group, I think, to be more assertive. It's still very good, don't get me wrong, and it's balanced. But who's the guy that's going to make the defensive coordinator stay awake at night that says we have to game plan for him? As efficient as they are on offense, and I'm not saying it starts there, but I think that you're going to try to get some more looks and some more easy baskets, quote-unquote. And then um, – you know, defensively, more consistency. They had some great games, and then they had some games that they were out of whack. Now, Eamon, Syracuse wasn't the only upset over the weekend. Albany, Johns Hopkins, Drexel, also with upsets. I, I think that there's more college uh, lacrosse parity than there ever has been. Would you agree with me? Uh, there's, no, there's no arguing that. I mean, how about this, though, if you want to take it a step further? Uh, you know, let's take Johns Hopkins out of the equation just because that's an 8-9 game, basically, and Johns Hopkins is Johns Hopkins. But you take a look at Albany, Drexel, and Bryant. Okay, those are the three Cinderella's right now, if you want to call Albany a Cinderella. Right. But all three of those teams had to sweat out just to get to the first round. Albany's on the ropes in the semifinals against Stony Brook of the America East. They have to score a goal with five seconds left in regulation just to get to the final of their own conference. Bryant has to knock off Siena 9-8 in the play-in game, and Drexel goes to overtime in both the semis and the finals of their league. And now here they are in the quarterfinals. So I think there, there's no doubt there's parity. And there's no doubt, as we just saw, I don't care if you're Syracuse or I don't care if you're uh, Loyola, you cannot just show up anymore in the first round. You are going to get a dogfight of a game in the first round. Eamon, we'll get you out of here on this one. You had the opportunity to see plenty of great lacrosse over the weekend. Are you sticking with Duke as the team to beat right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're the most complete team. Uh, I, think, uh, I think they're a matchup nightmare right now for Johns Hopkins uh, at the midfield position. Uh, very curious to see Sunday at Delaware how the Blue Jays game plan that first midfield group. Uh, they have a goalie who's playing well. Not a lights-out goalie, as, you know, in their uh, conversation with Nico Amato or Gunnar Walt, but he is very solid. Uh, Luke Aaron, and they have a top face-off guy. So I don't necessarily still see a weakness there with Duke. Now, the Luke Dupree injury certainly changes them and is certainly a major factor, and he takes away some of that swagger and some of that intimidating presence uh, that you know he was so no well-known for, and rightfully so. Um, so they're not as scary in the middle of the field as they were a month ago when he was healthy. But I still think they're the most complete team. But... You know, I'm very curious to see what Albany can do. If that's the real deal, if that's what Albany can play like when they're focused and motivated, they're going to be an awful tough out for Notre Dame and for, whoever, and for whoever's next. Eamon, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Enjoy the rest of the NCAA tournament. We'll speak with you soon. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, same to you. Enjoy the games.
Always a pleasure to talk with Eamon McEnany. I certainly didn't like the result of the game on Sunday, but it's always great to hear Eamon's call. He just knows so much about lacrosse. I'm now joined by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stick Schulte. Jim, how are you today? Doing great, Wes. How are you? Good. Uh, Jim, you had a great article that ran on Tuesday about Syracuse players in the NFL draft, and we'll get to Marquis Spurl and Jay Bromley in a little bit. But out of the undrafted free agents who landed with NFL teams, who do you think stands the best chance of making an NFL roster? Uh, well, out of the three guys who had signed by the time my column wrote, then they were added by a fourth, uh, Jeremy Wilkes, who, uh, another defensive back from the Orange, who uh, signed a contract with Jacksonville uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, I think out of the four of those guys, Jerome Smith, the running back uh, who signed with Atlanta, has the best chance. Uh, Steven Jackson, who is who uh, Atlanta signed as a free agent. He's got a lot of wear, on, wear taken off his tires. Uh, he turns 31 before our next season starts. Uh, but he, he's going to be the lead guy. They have a couple smaller third-down type backs, more pass-catching, you know, get-out-in-space kind of guys. Uh, those guys are kind of safe. Jerome Smith is not like that. He's more of a, a workhorse, a big guy who's going to you know, hammer the ball you know, into the line or try to get outside, you know, a guy who's built more for the pounding of 15 to 20 carry guy. Uh, his main competition, however, will be Devontae Freeman, uh, running back from Florida State, who the Falcons invested a draft pick in. And when you go, when you talk about going to the NFL, as soon as a team invests a draft pick in your guy, they're actually investing in him financially as well. When you look at signing bonus and cap hit, if they cut a guy and that sort of thing, so he's got the he does have direct competition, but he should be out of the guys from Syracuse who, who uh, signed for agent contract. I think he's the one most likely to actually stick on a team. And just a small note, Mackie McPherson getting a minicamp invite to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, you know, we don't, I don't expect too much from him there, but I certainly wish him the best of luck. But let's get to the players that actually were drafted. Again, I mentioned Marquis Spiral drafted by Atlanta in the fifth round, and they actually packed in a couple lower picks to trade up and get him. So it seems like, he, as you just mentioned, they made an investment into uh, players, and uh, it seems like he's going to get a chance to play right away as well. Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, the fact that they traded up says a lot. They, that means that Atlanta liked Sproul enough to target him in the draft, and they apparently were concerned that he wouldn't make it to them at their next pick. They, uh, they packaged, I think it was a seventh, along with a sixth, their sixth-round pick to move up. I think it was, it was something like 15, 17 spots, something like that. But in any case, they didn't think Sproul was going to make it to him. So that, shows, that right there shows you that they have strong interest in him. Uh, in, in the comments that came out of Atlanta after he was drafted, they said they liked Sproul's ability to run and hit. They liked his ability to contribute on special teams. And that's going to be one of the ways he's going to stand out. Uh, he was one of four linebackers drafted by the Falcons. They brought in three more guys as undrafted free agents. They're basically just going to take all those guys and go, you know, there's no other way to look at bringing in seven rookie linebackers without just going, okay, guys, show us what you got. <laughs> so uh, I think Sproul's going to have that chance. I mean, obviously, you know, they did like him enough to trade for him. I am to, you know, to take him to the point when, you know, give him a guaranteed contract. They, you know, like you said, they moved up into the fifth round to get him when, you know, a lot of a lot of projections had him as like a seventh round or priority free agent. They actually moved up into the fifth round to make sure they had their man. Now let's move on to Syracuse's highest pick. You know, I'm a Giants fan, Jim, and I'm personally excited about the prospect of Jay Bromley playing for New York, and they've always done a great job of developing defensive linemen. I mean, you look at some of the players that have come through there, O.C. Uminura, Michael Strahan, Matthias Kiwanuka, Justin Tuck, and it really seems like he's also going to be getting a lot of snaps right away. 
Yeah, it seems like there's a changing of the guard uh, on the defensive line with the Giants. You know, most of those guys you mentioned are long, no longer with the oh, Giants, long whether they yep. retired or you know moved on to another team or whatever. But Bromley comes in in a good position. Uh, their defensive tackle rotation, rotation, excuse me, is is ready for another fresh face. Uh, they have a couple longtime vets who've been around the block. Those two guys, um, that uh, Mike Patterson and uh, Colin Jenkins. Those guys, to me, they look like the guys going to be the guys who show the ropes to the to the young guys. Uh, Jonathan Hankins was a guy that dra- the Giants drafted high last year, and it looks like Bromley. You know, they're doing the same this year. It seems like. They're bringing the two new guys to learn from the two vets and take over. I mean, it looks like Bromley's going to be a cornerstone guy. He should be, you know, a third-round pick. It does, you know, it doesn't have the glamour of being a first-round pick, but it also doesn't come with the expectations. But uh, at the same time, a third-round pick is, you know, a significant investment in the guy, and so they definitely think Bromley's going to be a big part uh, in the future. And I think the future starts this year. There's, you know, the, there's a role waiting for him to play coming in the rotation. He won't necessarily be an every-down guy, but he certainly should be in that, you know. 20, 30, maybe 40 snaps a game kind of guy. It's always great talking about the NFL and the NFL draft with you, Jim, but we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, just because the men's team got eliminated doesn't mean lacrosse season's over at Syracuse. The women's team is still uh, still playing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've advanced to the quarterfinals. They'll take on BC on Saturday. It's the seventh time that the uh, women's lacrosse team has appeared in the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament in the last eight years. And this year they've offered, offered a great season so far. They're currently 19-2, and two, and that, those 19 wins that tied a school record for wins in the season. So just because uh, the glamour guys, the men have been eliminated, doesn't mean lacrosse season's over. Uh, Saturday's a big game for uh, the Orange when they take on BC, trying to get to that Final Four again. Jim, I'm also going to stay with lacrosse, although I'm going to switch back to the men's team. Uh, they average 4,140 fans per game at the Cary Dome, which was the top in average attendance for the NCAA. It was a nearly 1,000 fans more than runner-up Ohio State, so obviously a tough end to the season for the men's lacrosse team, but there's more fan interest than ever, and lacrosse is just a growing sport, so kudos to them. That's it for us for Jim Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that I don't like lollipops because, to me, a lollipop is a hard candy plus garbage. I don't need the handle. Just give me the candy. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.